Good morning. We're in a series called Promises, Promises. And Jim asked me to cover the promise of the presence of God being with us. And my immediate thoughts in being asked this were I was going to rush to Moses. I, I love that story where God is speaking to Moses and commissioning him and saying, you know, I will be with you. And I sort of thought, oh, you know, I've got it together. But as I was doing my daily devotions, I felt God clearly speak to me about what we should look at today. And uh, it, it's not so much I will be with you, but I was really struck as I was reading Matthew 28, where Jesus says, I am with you. Jesus says, it says, it came to them and he said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is where Jesus is talking to his disciples about making disciples marking them in baptism and then maturing them and making them into true disciples of Jesus. And there's some of the last words of Jesus and Jesus spends quite a lot of time encouraging them to receive the Holy Spirit, wait for the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is promised to us by Jesus. Jesus said, I'm going to go, but it's good that I go because the Holy Spirit, God's empowering presence, will be coming to you. So wait for the Holy Spirit he will be God with us. And there's something, something that really struck me about being really wonderful about this passage. Um, when we think in terms of, um, I will be with you, we tend to think of it as places and times and events. Um, think, think of things like, um, you know, I will be with you when you go for that doctor's appointment. I will be with you when you take that exam at university. I'll be with you when you go for that job interview. But Jesus doesn't say here, I will be with you. He says, I am with you. And he uses the very name of God, I am. And I think he, it, Jesus really wants us to grasp that he wants us to be walking in the presence of God every day. Because he doesn't just say, I am with you. He says, I am with you always. And then he even goes further, I am with you always even to the ends of the age. It's like he doesn't want to miss out on anything. And when we're talking about always and to the end of the age, there's nothing that escapes that. God wants us to know and enjoy the promise of his indwelling presence in our lives with us every day. He wants, it, he wants his presence to be with us in every aspect of our lives as well. So Jesus later talks to them about I'm going to send the Spirit. Wait for the Spirit. So as we open our Bibles this morning, and he's promising to us the Holy Spirit, I'm wanting us to, to realize that God is not just with us in particular times. God is with us always. The Holy Spirit is resident, and the Holy Spirit is not a visitor. We often talk in terms of the Holy Spirit being... Uh, a, we had a meeting with the Holy Spirit. No, the Holy Spirit comes to dwell within us, to reveal God's love and grace. So we're going to open our Bibles to Genesis 50 this morning. We're going to see someone who knew that God was with him always. And 
Each week we, we come and we, we, we come and we draw close to God in, in this time of learning from his word. But we often look for things that are going to give us faith for the future. But I believe as well, God wants us to have faith for the past in our lives. That in everything that we've been through, God has been in it all. And we're going to look at Joseph this morning. He knew that God was in it all. Everything. The good, the bad, and the ugly. So I'm asking you a question. Do you look back with faith to everything that's happened in your life? And do you think, hey, God was in it all. That he was present. And that he was loving you. And he was shaping you. And he was teaching you some things. And that his plans for you were good plans. Even the bits that you didn't like. Even the bits that you'd like to forget. We all have some of those. Maybe the bits that you didn't plan or the bits that hurt. Listen, we need to know that God is in it all. When we read the story of Joseph, we can see interwoven into the good, the bad and the ugly of his story that God was present with him, and God was Lord over him. We're not going to read the whole story, but I'm just going to read to you this morning just one part of it, a sort of highlight where we can see Joseph's perspective on God being with him. Let me just give you an overall picture of Joseph, and you can read it yourself from Genesis 37 to Genesis 50. And I really want to encourage you this week, as part of your devotional, to read this story through again and see if what I'm saying is not true. Joseph was given a coat of many colors. You may remember that. It was a sort of show-off suit that showed he was the favored son of his dad. He was gifted in dream interpretation. And while still young, he told his family one day they'd all bow down to him. That didn't go very well. And his brothers were jealous of his, uh, maybe his Facebook posts about this coat that he's wearing. Hey, who's dad's favored son? And they hated him. And one day when they had a chance, they threw him into a pit and then they sold him into slavery. And he, he faced injustice as a slave. He was wrongly accused of rape by his uh, slave uh, owner's uh, wife. And um, he was sent to an Egyptian prison and he becomes like the chief prison trustee while he's there. And while he's there, he connects with a, a couple of guys who work for Pharaoh. And he brings a prophetic word to them about how they're going to be released in diff two different ways, actually. And he finds himself in God's timing in an audience with Pharaoh. And in their conversation and in, with Joseph's wisdom, he ends up becoming second in charge of the whole of Egypt, with his family coming eventually and bowing down to him, just as it was prophesied that it would. And it ends up with him in this position, saving the nations from a famine, not a pandemic, but a famine. So he faced something. We pick up our story after um, Joseph's father has died and his brothers are fearing now that Joseph will get revenge on them. And we're going from verse 15. Uh, Genesis 50. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, what if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for the wrongs we did to him? So they sent word to Joseph saying, your father left these instructions before he died. I think it's guilt speaking. I don't think he ever really spoke these words. This is what you're to say to Joseph. 
I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins and the wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. Now please forgive the sin of the servants of the God of your father. And when their message came to Joseph, he wept. His brothers then came and threw themselves down before him and said, we are your slaves. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good, for the saving of many lives. So then don't be afraid. I'll provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and he spoke kindly to them. I'm just homing in on one phrase this morning, and that is this. You meant to harm me. You meant evil against me. But God meant it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. What is being said there is this. You had a purpose, but God had a greater purpose. Joseph knew that there was a God in his life who was directing his life who was ruling over his life and being Lord over him. You meant it for evil, but God used it for good. What an amazing perspective to have on your life through the good and the bad and the ugly. Can you see what Joseph is doing? He's, he's telling his own story and looking back at, with faith at everything that has gone on in his life, in being thrown in a pit, being sold as a slave, being wrongly accused, being put into prison, being um, sort of um, set alongside others, even having opportunity to grow as a leader in all these different places. God was in it all. He's making sense of all he's been through to get him to where he is now. And he's saying to his brothers, you meant evil, but God has used it all for good. You had a plan of destruction, but God had a plan of salvation for the saving of many lives. You had a plan of harm, but God had a plan of help. You had a plan for evil, but God had a bigger plan for good. He's looking back through the lens of God's love and God's presence being with him. And he's saying that God was present in it all. It was God who gave him the dreams at the beginning of his family coming to bow down, who had done this at this point. It was God who orchestrated every move and the prison that he was in and him rising to be uh, top in a Pharaoh's house, rising to be top in the prison and rising to the top in Potiphar's house. All of these things God was using to make him into the man that God would use him to be. His relationship with now shapes how he views his life story. God was with him in it all. Jesus promises in uh, John 14, I'll never leave you or forsake you. We are a people to enjoy daily the presence of our Saviour, to enjoy the presence of the Holy Spirit, to know the love of our Father. He knew the character of his God. And he says, you know, God meant it for good. He knew that God's plans for him were good plans. He knew that if God was in his life and present, then actually everything was going to work out for good. And his knowledge of God shapes his thinking about all that has happened, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And he's looking back over his life and seeing that God was both resident and that he was president. He was 
present with him and he was Lord over every situation, even the ones he had no control over. I wonder if you'd look back on your life and can see that yourself. I've lived long enough now <laughs> to have experienced this in many ways. We know when I moved to Canada, Rachel and I felt the call of God to come to Canada. And I was really enjoying ministry in England. I was serving lots of different churches. Uh, our own church was doing really great. And I, we were just so happy. And we moved here. And after a short while, I needed to pay some bills. So I took a job at Labour Ready. It was, you, you really worked for the day and you got paid. And it was just to pay some bills. And I found myself in this warehouse and I was working alongside all these different people and I was doing quite menial jobs. And after a few weeks of doing this, I began to get a little resentful within myself, thinking, Lord, I moved all the way from England to Canada and I'm working in this warehouse. Well, what's, what's the purpose of this? What's the point of this? I couldn't make any sense of it at all, other than paying some bills. And I'm thinking, well, I'm, I'm supposed to be here planning a church and yet, and it, it didn't make any sense. And yet, a few months later, we started an Alpha course in Port Credit with a whole bunch of people from a crisis pregnancy centre. And I went in and I looked around and to be honest with you, I didn't have a lot of connection with these people. Their lifestyle wasn't my lifestyle, their background wasn't my background, and I was supposed to be leading this Alpha, and I... And I sort of felt a little disconnected from them all. And I began to ask them, hey, what do you do for a living? And stuff like that. And I said, I work for Labour Ready. And all of them immediately said, hey, we all work for Labour Ready. We all do that too. And I found an amazing connection right from the beginning. And I remember leaving that place that day and saying, Lord, you were in it all the way. I remember being quite undone inside myself in realising that God had, in his lordship over my life, put me in that particular situation so that I would have something to connect to those people and begin to share the love of Jesus with them. And we had many, many of them on that Alpha course who came to Jesus. And to be honest with you, not long ago, I was speaking to their children who've also now come to Christ as well. And I've seen that in all sorts of areas of my life where I couldn't see that God was in it in any way. But then later on, I've seen that God is in it all. He is resident and he is president of our lives. My wife and I, we lost some children. I've been able to go with Rachel at times and we've spent time with people who've lost children. And we're good with people. I almost feel it's like our specialist subject because we've been through it. And now we have an empathy and we have a care and a love to help those who've lost a child. You know, my fatherlessness and not having a father growing up. I've been able to spend time with kids who haven't got a dad who've, or who've lost their dad. Maybe even take them to a soccer game or something. And God has, has used what was, uh, to me, a disaster in my life. And he's used it for good and for his glory. And he had good purposes within it. Even things like the adoption of our oldest daughter. When we adopted her, I didn't realize what God had in mind. We just wanted to adopt a daughter. And uh, when we, we adopted her, I never realized that God would open the door for me to speak to adoptive parents on the joy of adoption and the problems of adoption. I couldn't see it at the time, but God was in it all, just like Joseph sees in his life. And as we read through Joseph's life, we, we cap, capture sort of glimpses throughout the story of how God was with Joseph. 
For an example, when he sold as a slave, he actually says, the Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered. He lived in his master's house and Potiphar saw that the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in everything he did. He put him in charge of everything and all that he owned in the house and in his land too. And, and you see, even in Joseph's growing in his gift, God put him in strategic circumstances whereby he could grow in his leadership gift. And I believe in Potiphar's house he did that. And then on, we see in, in, uh, when he was in prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and grant, granted him favour in the eyes of the prison warden. So we, we see here that, that God was preparing Joseph for this great job of becoming number two in Egypt, of being able to oversee this famine that was taking place. And Joseph looked back and he could see that God was in it all. It's like, it's like there was a plan for evil, but it was overlaid by God bringing a presence for good and for purpose. God's purposes are bigger than that which we face. And God's word says to us, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Isn't that good scripture? That God's working all things together for good for those that love him. I love that. It says, and at the beginning of that verse, it says, and we know. This is something to know in our lives every day. That God's working all things together for good. I love this quote. Pile these three, three great texts together. Genesis 50, verse 20. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for wholeness, not for evil. Plans to give you a hope and a future. And Romans 8, 28. And we know that for those that love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. When we stack them together theologically, they teach that the God of the Bible is so great that he not only breaks into life to do miracles, but he is also involved concurrently and confluently in all that occurs in this world and uses all events for the good of his people and for his glory. Listen, God is Lord over all, the one that we serve. God worked this plan out against all the barriers in Joseph's life that would have come up. Everything that would have blocked the way. Everything that maybe he thought, you know, I've been moved away from where I was living, so it's not going to work out. No, God was present in, his all, in it all. And the encouragement for us too is no matter what sort of barriers stand in the way between us and God, listen, God is with us and will bring us through. God's greater plan worked out and God's presence was with Joseph despite the flaws in his own character. Despite the mistakes he made of boasting about his dreams and posting selfies in his multicolored striped coat that showed his dad's uh, favoritism. Despite the things that he no doubt wished he had not said and not done. And we've all got those in our lives, things that we wish we could have a do-over on. God's plans worked out despite his own flaws and failing. Boasting about how he's, he's had these dreams about his family 
We're, we're going to all bow down to him as they ate breakfast in the morning over their shreddies. He's telling the families, and they weren't pleased to hear it. And he didn't handle what God was given to him well. But despite that, God used it all. Things that we wish that we could go back and fix, God's presence and love and grace will bring us through to our destiny and our calling and our gifting, despite those things, as we see in Joseph's story. You know, when it says, you meant it for evil, sometimes it could mean us. It could be the mistakes you've made, the things you look back on and think, well, I wish I'd never done that. I wish I'd never done that. It was so stupid. You know, when I became a Christian, I remember not long after becoming a Christian, I went to live in a place called Norfolk in England. And uh, I felt this, you know, oh, I must be called to Norfolk. Oh, I'd only been there on holiday, but I felt called to go there. And I went to be part of a church and nothing really happened there. It was a bit of a disaster. It was a bit of immaturity in my young Christian life. And then there was a time where some people drove up uh, from London and they said, hey, we're planting a church. We'd love you to be our musician and we'd love you to be part of the leadership. And so I went back and, and became part of a, which, which is a great church even to this day. You know, despite the flaws that I had, God still used me. Despite the flaws, God's presence never abandoned me, never left me, never forsake me. Because God was with us. Despite his brother's desire to kill him, God was ruling over his life. Warts and forts and all. Despite the circumstances in his life that he has no control over. God was still with him and God was still Lord. Despite going to prison. You know, it's interesting when you read through it, it says, uh, but the warden put Joseph in charge of all, that, uh, all of those in the prison and he made him responsible to all that was done. And the warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in everything he did. Listen, that was the hand of God. That was the kindness of God. That was the presence of God. That was God working in a tough situation to shape his life, to make it more useful. You know, he was the best prisoner there. I'd like to think if I ever went to prison, I'd be the best prisoner there for God. He's flourishing and growing in prison. I love the words of R.T. Kendall. R.T. Kendall, in his book, God Meant It For Good, he says that Joseph, for Joseph, the pit... Potiphar's house and the prison were all preparation for the palace. Let me say that again. That for Joseph, the pit, Potiphar's house and the prison were all preparation for the palace. Could it be that some of the things that you're going through or have been through or that you're, you've come out of now and you've grown through, that God's purpose in it all was so that you would see that God's going to use you in that particular area, that God's grown you in it. I love, I love it where it says in James, it says, count it all joy when you face various trials. Why? Because it's producing something in you. When we go through trials, it produces maturity and perseverance, and it makes us really more effective for God in the calling that he has for us. And as we look at this, we can see that for Joseph in his life, as we read from 37 through to 50, that the pit and Potiphar's house and the prison were all preparation for what God had in store for Joseph. God's plans are never derailed. God's plans are never derailed. If God is with us, God is for us and he knows what he's doing. 
Where's God in your story? Because he's in it for sure. He's in it despite your past hurts. You know, for Joseph, his brothers had treated him terribly. But despite that, God brought him through. He didn't become a victim. He became a victor. Why? By using those different events in his life to grow as a person of God so that he could be effective God. Despite all the relocation that happened in his life. Remember, he's a, he was at home and he was enjoying the favor of his dad. And now he's been to prison and he's been a slave. and he's been a, But in every step that he walked through, God's presence was with him and God was redemptive. And he used the very things that he went through to make him into a more effective servant of God. God's greater plan worked out despite him being overlooked in a prison. Remember the cupbearer, he gets let out of prison and, and Joseph says to him, you know, uh, let, me, let me read this. Um, I've got it written down. It says, uh, but when all goes well with you, remember me and show me kindness. Mention me to, me to Pharaoh and get me out of this prison. For I was forcibly carried off from the land of the Hebrews. And even here, I've done nothing to deserve being put in a dungeon. And yet it goes on to say, the chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. Listen, despite him being forgotten, God still was in charge of his destiny and ordered his days. You see, our destinies are not in, held in the hand of one person. It's not just that one job or that one boss or that one person we know we hope will put a word in for us or remember us, just like he wanted the cupbearer to do with Pharaoh. Listen, our destiny are not held in the hands of any one individual. They're held in the hands of a God who loves us who is for us and who is very present with us. Our future is held in the hands of a loving Father. God is both resident and president in our lives. When you're feeling overlooked, as Joseph was in that prison, when you're feeling forgotten, as Joseph was in that prison, you are not overlooked or forgotten by God. Whatever situation you're going through, God's eyes are continually upon you. And God's word says God never slumbers or sleeps. He loves us. He's for us. He's with us. That's why we make room for the Holy Spirit. So we count it all joy when we face various trials. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete and not lacking in anything. If any of you lack wisdom, you should ask God and he will give it. We read again and again and again in Joseph's story, the hand of the Lord, the presence of the Lord, the favor of the Lord was with him. Nothing separates us from the love of God. God is in control from day one and to the end. I'm going to read you to, to finish just a little bit from a story from the Chronicles of Narnia. It comes from the horse and his boy. I've got a copy of it here. And uh, it's a really good read in the Narnia series. And just going to read you a small part of it. And it's where uh, a boy who's named Shasta has had an encounter in the dark with Aslan. 
And he's a lion. He's, he's the Christ figure in the Narnia stories. And, he, and Shasta and Aslan are walking along together. Now, uh, Shasta's never seen a lion and he's terrified of lions. And yet they're very close to one another and he feels the breath of Aslan very closely upon him. And this is, this is what the, how the story goes. I found this very helpful to where we're going today. Once more, he, let, he felt the warm breath of the thing on his hand and face. There, it said. That's not the breath of a ghost. Tell me your sorrows. And Shasta was a little reassured by the breath. So he told how he'd never known his real father or mother and had been brought up sternly by the fishermen. And then he told the story of his escape and how they were chased by lions and forced to swim for their lives. And of all their dangers in Tashban and about his night among the tombs and how the beasts howled at him out of the desert. And he told about the heat and the thirst in their desert journey and how they were almost at their goal when another lion chased them and wounded Aravis. And also how very long it was since he'd had anything to eat. I, don't call, I do not call you unfortunate, said the large voice. Don't you think it was bad luck to meet so many lions, said Shasta. There was only one lion, said the voice. What on earth do you mean? I told you there were at least two lions the first night and there was only one. But he was swift of foot. How do you know I was the lion? And as Shasta gaped with open mouth and said nothing, the voice continued. I was the lion who forced you to join with Aravis. I was the cat who, com who comforted you among the houses of the dead. I was the lion who drove the jackals from you as you slept. I was the lion who gave the horses new strength of fear for the last mile so that you would reach King Loon in time. And I was the lion you do not remember who pushed the boat in which you lay a child near death so that it came to shore where a man sat wakeful at midnight to receive you. Then it was you who wounded Aravis. It was I. But what for? Child, said the voice, I'm telling you your story, not hers. I tell no one any story but his own. Who are you? asked Shasta. Myself, said the voice, very deep and low, so that the earth shook. And again, myself, loud and clear and bright. And then a third time, myself, whispered so softly you could hardly hear it. And yet it seemed to come from all around, as if the leaves rustled with it. Shasta was no longer afraid that the voice belonged to something that would eat him. Nor that it was the voice of a ghost. But a new and different sort of trembling came over him. And yet he felt glad. I love that story that C.S. Lewis has put in there that explains to us that God is in it all. You know, when Shasta couldn't see the lion, the lion was around. Sometimes he even thought they were two. God was very busy superintending his life, being Lord over him. Let me just finish with this. Despite the hurt that Joseph was carrying in his heart from his brother's ill treatment, 
despite being separated from his father, despite all the mistakes he'd made and the evil that was done to him, despite being forgotten, despite all that went on, despite the trials, despite prison, despite even being in a famine, which we could sort of relate to in a pandemic, maybe in a different way. God was in it all. Can you, with faith, look back to today and see how in every trial, every circumstance, everything good and bad and ugly, God was with us. And God will use it for his glory. And God will use us for his glory. We have a God who will never leave us or forsake us. He is a very present help in time of trouble. But he's also a very present help always, even to the ends of the age. This is why we welcome his presence. Let's just pray together. Father, thank you for your word disclosing to us today that you are with us in the good, the bad and the ugly. Lord, whatever we've been through, whatever has maybe marred our lives or uh, had impact on our lives, Father, thank you. You were there being Lord over us. You were there present with us. And Lord, we come to you today and we ask you, Lord, help us to see it and help us to bring it all to you and help us to see you never left us or forsook us but you are using it all to shape us and to grow us and to make us into the people of God that honour you more. Father, I want to pray for any who are listening in this morning who carry some deep hurt within them where they have been wounded in the past. Lord, I pray that they would seek out loving brothers and sisters in their group, uh, somewhere in this church or the leaders, and that they would receive some prayer and some ministry and that the Holy Spirit would be able to come and that he would tenderly be able to work in that life so that they can have a new start with fresh help from God in that area because you are Lord over all. And so, Lord, we come to you, we cast all our cares on you, and we thank you for being Lord over our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.